Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And hey, here's a little teaser. Starting next week, we're going to be having a big giveaway to Vero Beach, Florida. Now, if you're not familiar with Vero Beach, Florida, you need to get on the plane. And get on down there. I'm telling you, it is beautiful beaches, funky town, foodie town, outdoor adventure. They've got it going on in Vero Beach. So stay tuned. There's going to be more information on how to enter that giveaway. Well, you also want to go to the speakingoftravel.net website because there you'll find past podcasts and all things travel. Well, speaking of travel, have you ever been to Iceland? I don't even really know where that place is, and yet it's becoming more and more of a popular destination. I can't go to a dinner party anymore without somebody telling me that they've just been to Iceland. You know, it's one of those exotic destinations that you would read about, but I don't know anybody who really ever had it on their bucket list, and now it seems like everybody has it on their bucket list. How times have changed. Well, I have three great guests right here in the studio today who have all been to Iceland, and I'm going to go around. It's a little different format today, but I'm going to go around, let everybody introduce themselves, and then we're going to get started talking about this country where I can't even pronounce the name of the city. So let's start right here with Marla. I'm Marla Tambellini. I'm with the Asheville Convention and Visitors Bureau, and I was in Iceland a couple of years ago, um, actually for an event with travel writers, um, and then had some free time on my own to explore a little bit further. How fun. Stephanie? Sure. I'm Stephanie Carson. I'm an event and television producer here in Asheville and also co-owner of Gypsy Circus Cider Company. Um, and I was in Asheville in 2015 with my family. So in Iceland. In Iceland. Asheville. We're Iceland. In Ice- we're Iceland. In- <laughs> Thank you. You bet. And when were you there? 2015 in the summer. Gotcha. And I'm Paul Chattel. I'm a local filmmaker and video producer here in Asheville. And I was in Asheville uh, last Iceland. month. Iceland. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you guys are getting me all messed up. I'll tell you. I was you. in Iceland last month with my wife, and we traveled around a little bit. Wow. Just last month. Last month. Yeah. Well, it's fresh. Let's start here with Marla. So, Marla, you went for your work, basically, and mm-hmm. then spent a little time on your own. I've been on these kind of trips where you're kind of wined and dined and got a lot of information going on. You get to meet with the locals and talk to people. Is Oh, and you were there with travel writers. Mm-hmm. So... Everybody was talking Iceland. So it was it was a really great experience because on the one hand, you know, my role there was to interface with writers to talk about Asheville. But by the same token, we had the opportunity to really learn about uh, Iceland because that was the information that was being also provided 
to the journalist and we were able to um, go on some of these um, day trip kind of excursions to really kind of understand the communities a little bit longer. And then on my own, um, I did some more extensive traveling for several days um, and did the Golden Circle area um, of Iceland, which is a very popular tourist kind of drive where there are a number of really significant attractions, including um, Golfus, which is like one of the most beautiful waterfalls in Iceland. Um, there's an area along there, and I'm going to print, I'm going to, I can just say right now, I'm going to kind of like really completely mess up the Icelandic <laughs> names. Um, and anybody else here who can pronounce pure Icelandic names, please jump in. But um, there's an area that where the, the continental plates kind of come together. It's a national park now. Um, it's, I think, kind of like thing, Thingvellir uh, or Pingvellir. It's, it's, yeah, um, right. <laughs> it's, so at any rate, it's a national park now. And it's actually not only geographically interesting and beautiful, but it's um, the land, it's, it, it's where the first um, assembly or, or essentially the Icelandic parliament started way back um, in the 800s um, AD. So it's, it's, it's culturally significant as well to those folks. And then there's also an area which is much of Iceland anyway. There's an also a concentration area of geysers along that Golden Circle Road. And then beyond that, I was able to go to an area and do some hiking, um, kind of in an outback area called um, Landlanmagar, um, which um, was really very cool and beautiful and took us out into areas that really look otherworldly in many instances. Well, I was looking at your photos that you sent me. I wrote you back and said, is this for real? Because Mm -hmm. they looked like they were photoshopped or somehow enhanced to give that illusion of what they look like. It's just a really, I think people think of Iceland as a country covered in ice. And of course, during the winter, there is a lot of snow and they still have glaciers, but it's a beautiful country. And there is, there are parts of it. And mind you, I did not get to the whole island country, um, but there are parts of it that are just absolutely otherworldly mm-hmm. is how I can describe it. That's right. And I think a lot of that's because of the volcanic nature of the island itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very young uh, country geologically. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why they're shooting like Game of Thrones there and they're shooting Tom Cruise movies there and science fiction movies. It really does have an otherworldly feel to it. It's it. I mean, it's like being on the moon at times. Goosebumps just thinking about it. (laughs) It's not your usual travel destination. There's something really magical about it. But when, you know, once you get there, you realize that, that you know, Europeans have caught on to this a long time ago, you know, as typical when you travel. But, um, but you know, there's certainly that travel infrastructure there. Uh, we've, with the exception of lodging, I would say lodging w- would be a challenge still when, when you do travel. Well, you went in a unique way. Yeah, we did. Um, and it was kind of out of necessity. So my family and I um, rented an RV um, for the week because when we started plotting it out, we wanted to circle Ring Road. And so when we started plotting that out, it's not like you pull off the side of the road and there's a comfort inn right there right. Um, at your beck and call. You know, there are accommodations, but chances are they are rented out months in advance. So there's a few ways to go about it. You can plan the heck out of your trip, which is not our style. Um, there's a there's a service where you can stay at farms in Iceland, and and like and so you make arrangements through that way. Again, you have to plan and know exactly where you want to be. Not our style. So the RV became the solution, um, and it ended ended up being with traveling with kids. I would 
recommend it to any family. That was the way to go because in our case, we were there in the summer, which so we missed the northern lights, which is an unfortunate part. But the easy part of that was that we were able to continue driving after the kids went to bed. So we would have a full day, you know, hopping on and off the RV at various stops. The kids would fall asleep at eight o'clock and then we would keep driving another three hours and park where the next morning's destination was. So, you know, we, you know, they woke up next to a geyser one morning. They woke up next to the whale watching boat. And so for traveling with them, it was the best solution. And cost wise, it ended up being about the same. Um, it was costly, but it's going to be anyway in Iceland, yeah, I will tell is. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ended up being kind of a, a you know, a net even. Well, there's so much to talk about in Iceland. Who has an idea of what size island this is? I mean, how is it like? It's smaller than you think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a matter. I think you can drive the ring road and maybe a couple days yes. or something like that. Yeah, it's at least a couple days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you could. I mean, what I read, all the travel books say you need 10 days. I mean, that that's if you're going to really dive deep at each stop and, you know. And, and play. And, yeah, and we weren't doing that. You know, some of it was hopping out and taking a quick photo and hopping back in. Um, I think we did it in like six days. So. so when you got there, when you flew in to the main city, which is? Reykjavik. Reykjavik. There you go. Reykjavik. See, I, you Reykjavik. know, I look at that word on paper and it's like, I can't mm-hmm. even go there. I don't know what it says. Reykjavik. So did you, you had planned before as you got, um, when you got in, there was a company that had a rental? Yes. And there's several, um, you know, there's several RV companies. We chose to get a souped up RV with the shower. And I remember when I was on the phone with the folks, they were like, you're not going to use that shower. There's so many public pools around Iceland. You'll never use that shower. We never used that shower. That was not necessary. <laughs> not to say we didn't shower, but it seemed like every day we ended up at a hot pot, mm-hmm. which we should talk about, yes. or a public pool. And so there just wasn't that need. Well, when we come back from the break, let's pick up at hot pools, hot pods, whatever these are, because <laughs> it sounds pretty luxurious to me. It sounds awesome. Well, thank you all for being here today. It's really fun talking about Iceland. I think we're going to get a better idea of what it's like over there. And when we come back from the break, we'll pick up right there in the water. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on 
Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by my good friends over at Appalachian Realty. If you need a place to live and you're looking for a farm or a condo or a piece of land to build your perfect house, you need to go see the Really great folks over at Appalachian Realty. They have a cute little bungalow. It's right off of Charlotte Street on Arlington Street, and they will help you find that place of your dreams. And remember, speaking of travel is heard anywhere in the whole wide world on the free iHeartRadio app. So be sure you download that, and then you can listen to Speaking of Travel anywhere, anytime, in the whole wide world. Well, speaking of the whole wide world, today we're talking about Iceland. And I just felt like I have heard so much about Iceland over the last year or so, and it never was really on my radar. And now people are experiencing this magical place, including Marla and Stephanie and Paul right here in the studio today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I'm excited. Well, and I love the idea of these hot Bass. So somebody start and tell us what is that about? Well, pools are everywhere in Iceland, and that's very much part of their culture. And their public pools, in many cases, are are much more advanced than ours. You know, for example, like we spent a couple days in Reykjavik and did rent just an Airbnb before we picked up the RV. And we went to the public pool. And the public pool was lovely and had, you know, varying pools of temperatures. And then it also had a water slide that, that when you got in the water slide, there were light, lit up stars inside the slide as you slid down. And I think it cost us like three or four dollars to get in, you know. So I would say the pool culture is one of the most inexpensive things you can do in Iceland. Um, another part of our experience was we ended up in Husavik um, and the kids were asleep. It was 11 o'clock at night. Bars were thumping because it's daylight, keep in mind. So my husband and I grabbed a beer at the pub next to where we parked and uh, the woman whispered to us, there's a hot pot at the top of the hill. Um, and so we we went up to this hot pot, and if you can imagine, a hot pot on the cliff, wild horses roaming through this field of flowers, and we just walked up to this hot pot and, and I think spent $2 and sat and soaked and drank beer until God knows when. It was awesome. It's paradise. Oh, it is. God, you're really, like, talking my language here. <laughs> well, and they're everywhere because they come. In fact, the whole, um, the whole country really depends quite a bit on geothermal energy because of the volcano, volcano volcanic activity that generates all of this heated water, you know, underground. And so these manifest themselves not only in being able to provide that energy to Iceland, but it also has amazing number of these like hot springs, hot pots, hot pools all over the place. One of the most famous is the Blue Lagoon, which is not that far away from the airport. So there are people who do like a long layover at the airport and just run over to the Blue Lagoon and, you know, spend several hours there and then get back on the plane and head to Europe. I am so doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that mm-hmm. sounds awesome. Yeah, the Blue Lagoon, yeah. too, and you probably know, they have these buckets of silica uh, around the edge. And so you go up to them and you're just supposed to put it all over your skin and let it dry on and your skin. And what is that? It's great for your skin. Uh, yeah, all I know, all I can <laughs> it's do, a mineral. It's yeah. a mineral. And so they have buckets of mineral yeah, that you put yeah. on your you face. Just, yeah. In yeah. fact, I brought a mask home and I still use it of silica. Yeah. So the Blue Lagoon is more of a, um, you know, you, you, you pay a little bit more to get in. They have the changing rooms and it's, um, you know, they have all of the amenities and such. So that, and, and it's great and it's big and it's 
beautiful and it is truly blue. Um, and then you go out into kind of the further reaches of Iceland and then you can find these like smaller hot springs, which are basically have a quick little like, you know, um, s- similar to what you'd find at like Sliding Rock in the Asheville area um, where you find a little, you know, bathhouse and then you can run in and um, spend time in the hot in the in the hot springs. Wow, that is really talking my language. Paul, did you guys have an experience in the in the water? We did not do the hot springs. We went west. We wanted to get away from as many people as possible and just go and enjoy the the landscape. And we went to um, a peninsula called the Snifelsnes Peninsula, which is about three hours away from Reykjavik, and basically just explored that for several days. We kind of took the, the, you know, you know, the less is more approach and just, you know, drove a mile, got out, played, drove a mile, got out and played and just did that for several days. And just, I mean, um, they call the Snifelsnes Peninsula, which is just to the West. Um, they call it Iceland, um, a sort of in miniature because it's, it, it's got a lot of different things in it that kind of represent Iceland, but it's actually just kind of a thing. You can drive it in maybe four or five hours. And um, so it was cold and dark and wet for us, but that was exactly what we wanted. We went to this one beach called Jupala Nasur Beach, and it was so bleak. It was just it was just uh, magical how, you know, you know, I mean, if it had been a blue sky day, it would have lost something. It needed to have this rainy, windy, misty kind of element. So we embraced the cold and um, it wasn't super cold. It wasn't anything colder than you get here in January in Asheville. But at the same time, we wanted that sort of Icelandic hardship experience, and it was really great. Well, and I agree about the weather, too. I'm sure it can get very cold there. But during my time, and I was there during the what would be the early winter months, um, you know, I was I had kind of packed for the worst and then found that I was shedding layers um, along the way, yeah. particularly when I was hiking and such, because it really was. And particularly the days where the sun was out, um, you know, it was very much like, you know, an Asheville winter day, maybe in the 40s. Yeah. Um, now, they also can have some very fierce winds, though, and that right. can also manifest itself in a much colder day than it would uh, um, appear. But we had um, for the days that we were kind of out hiking and such actually pretty decent weather. Um, on those days, and that was great. What about you, Stephanie? Yeah, I mean, I, we were there in July, so, you know, it, it was still cool. I, we never wore shorts, you know, at any point, of course, but, you know, jeans and a T-shirt and then a jacket at night. There was a few instances where we felt like we needed, you know, maybe a sweatshirt, but um, but no, I mean, it was fine, and they're they're equipped. I mean, they're a modern society. It's not like if you get there, if you need something, oh, sure. you're not going to be able to find it, so. Well, what were the people like for all of you as you were going around, and you being out in rural areas, you being on the road? You having all these experiences mm-hmm. with people who are professionals and the um, I, I thought the people were amazing. They were incredibly friendly that we um, before we got on the air, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, it's like a very old culture. And even though they're highly educated, they all speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting that there's this, you know, the one thing that really appealed to me is that more than 50 percent of the population believe in fairies. And that's kind of like a cultural hand me down um, over centuries and centuries that, um, you know, I, th- I found delightful. Um, and and as I said, there it's kind of a very. Um, 
uh, traditional community, though, in some ways, in that they have um, the the naming the the nomenclature for naming families and children and things like that um, is very specific, and that does not you ha- if you uh, if you try to like come up with your own name and it's an aberration, you have to go to the courts to get approval for like a first name. Um, it's it's really interesting, but they but because of that, they can trace back their lineage all the way back to that like eight eight hundred AD. Wow. <laughs> Stephanie, you met nice people. You yeah. had kids, too. So what was that like? Yeah, I mean, traveling with kids in Iceland is it's definitely a family destination for sure. You know, I would say what you may sacrifice, depending on the age of your kids, is your ability to do those long hikes that uh, oftentimes people go to Iceland for. So we kind of gave that up, you know, and just did, did a lot of photo ops and experiences with them. But um, but no, I mean, it was a great place to travel. There's grocery stores everywhere. So we, um, you know, we're normally folks that, that will, won't pack a lunch on a trip. You know, we're eating out. We're trying the different food. And after about the third day, um, it, Iceland's expensive. I mean, that's one thing we should probably emphasize mm-hmm. to folks that, that know when you get there that, that even the most basic meals are going to be expensive. And so at some point in the trip, we said, you know what? We're going to get some peanut butter and jelly and and do a little bit of that because, um, you know, anybody that has kids knows that's really all they want anyway. <laughs> so but but all of that is very accessible and, and, and easy to do there. That's awesome. Paul? And that's exactly what we did. Uh, my wife and I are vegetarians, so we don't eat fish. And uh, so we went there and didn't eat a single meal out. I think we cooked in our in our hotel in Reykjavik, and we got cheese sandwiches and did that whole thing. And it was fine. I mean, everybody was so nice. We had people we would stop for coffee, and the lady behind the counter would tell us about this little special place to go visit that weren't in the guidebooks. So they were really polite. And I just love a, that. There's just a real quick specialty. Just to, if you're an adventurous foodie, the specialty there is rotten shark chased <laughs> by the Brennan, which is like the um, like a schnapps, the Icelandic yeah. schnapps. Yum. And, well, uh, not not so good, but something if you are an adventurous foodie, you have to do. Sure. Awesome. Well, when we come back, we're going to start with the food and the drinking. I want to hear more about that. Thank you, guys. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. And be sure to keep your eye out on the speakingoftravel.net uh Website. There's going to be information about this giveaway with Vero Beach, Florida. They have this new flight now from Vero Beach to Asheville, uh, round trip on Elite Airways, and they're giving away a trip for two. So stay tuned and enter to win. Well, today I have a great show with three wonderful guests talking about Iceland. Now, again, I've told you I've never even thought of Iceland on my radar. Now I really just, in the brief amount of time that we've talked about it, I feel that I'm ready to make a reservation and get myself there. So I'm curious, you know, we've talked about the culture a little, we've talked about the people and the water. Um, Let's talk a little bit, Marla, we know why you went. You went as part of a group with uh, mm-hmm. the travel writers. Stephanie, I'm interested in Paul. you and Paul. How did you decide, like, we're going to go to Iceland? <laughs> um, accidentally on purpose. Uh, so it's kind of silly. So we were in Paris and London on a trip, um, and we had an extra week to spend before we were to fly back to the States. And so we were like, let's go to Iceland. And, you know, it's in true Carson fashion, we're like, this is so silly. Like, now we're flying halfway home. We're going to fly back to London to fly home. So <laughs> I wouldn't recommend our route. Um, I, From what I understand, WOW Airlines out of Dulles, I believe, has some pretty inexpensive flights. It's a yep. pretty good option. Um, so that, But that's how we kind of landed on it, you know. Yeah, the same thing for us. Um, so my wife and I were on the way to the U.K., and we flew WOW Air, which is an, actually an Icelandic airline. Mm-hmm. And they have a stopover in Reykjavik, and they don't care if you take a 30-minute layover or a 30-day layover. So we decided, hey, let's take a long weekend and explore a little piece of Iceland. And so and so the trip literally was free to go to Iceland. We had to pay, of course, to go to London. But um, it was just a really nice little kind of uh you know, you know, a little gift for us. And, uh, yeah, those, uh, you know, you know, those new kind of budget carriers are really, are really cool. I mean, they're, you know, I think they're hard in the sense that you have to pay for each additional item. Like if you have, you know, you know, luggage, you have to pay for that, but it was really, uh, great in the way that it allowed us to get there, you know, you know, at no cost, literally. I love that. And Icelander air, um, one of the reasons they do and while wow, too, kind of as a subsidiary of one of the reasons they do that is because they own the, a lot of hotels. They also own a lot of the hotels on yeah, the island. Yeah. And so, you know, that is an incentive, just yeah. like, you know, how Vegas will do certain kind of freebies because... Exit through the gift shop. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that, Absolutely. too. That's really, that makes it so kind of easy, it sounds like. It does, it, it does. It's I really think they're a having nice a new layover. push to get a lot yeah. of people there. There's a big push for tourism in Iceland right now. And do you feel that that's working? Did you feel that there was a level of uh, hospitality and tourism oh, yes. that was working? Yeah, I think, you know, actually there is a lot of interest in Iceland right now, and I think the there is a little bit of a pushback from the locals, but I don't think it's, it's just, it's a matter of, you know, um, trying to balance the destination, but they also appreciate and need the visitors to come there, right. and they understand that that is an important component of their local economy. Well, and in the beginning, when you both were referring to Iceland and Asheville, yeah, I yeah. think that we can see there are a lot, there are there a lot are of some, similarities. There are some similarities. And, you know, most of the population actually is in the Reykjavik area. Yeah. 
And what would um, you say that population is? It was like around 300,000. Yeah. Oh, so that's not bad. Nice-sized city. It's a sparsely mm-hmm. a populated country, though. I mean, you you know, you know, an hour outside of Iceland, you feel like you're in right. like the outback of Australia like or something. What, like Paul was saying, he wanted to get away. Oh, you just have to drive it's outside not, of Reykjavik. It's not hard, and yeah. you're I see. Able to do that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about the food. I always like to go back to the food. So you were talking about this shark Rotten shark, mm-hmm. followed by the the Icelandic shops, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, right and in. and you also were we've mentioned you've mentioned about the culture staying up late. You mentioned it. I know Marla, yes. you talked about it a little bit too. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. The the eating, you know, here people are eating rotten shark and drinking this <laughs> liquor and staying up until four o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. and it's not that rotten shark is the only thing you'll find. I mean, the you know, there's it's puffin. It's, it's yeah. Well, I know that's controversial. Yeah, Arctic char. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very fish, obviously a very you know seafood oriented um, community in Reykjavik, and so you know that's that's generally well done. Yeah. I you know I know Paul's a vegetarian, so he might have had a little. Or of a difficult time of it, but I thought the food was pretty darn good. Um, it's not Italy, but it's still, you know, again, you're in the culture that you're in, you want to kind of be totally all in as even as so far as the food. One um, thing we did in Reykjavik is um, we did like a food tasting menu one night and, and just did it all. And, and you know, it's not um, maybe politically correct. There, there are animal groups that would advise that, that would maybe have an issue with this, but they do serve puffin mm-hmm. on menus and they do serve whale. Um, and so we, we did a sampling menu that included that and please save the hate mail, I, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, but just to experience it, to, you know, to see what it was all about. So, so that's there, but, you know, outside of that, Reykjavik specifically, you know, we saw there's all kinds of cultures represented with food. I mean, it's very much of an international city. True. Um, there was a, a craft beer bar we found there. There was breweries, you know, so you can definitely um, find that if you yeah. just need a little bit of Asheville when you're over there. The interesting thing about the breweries was their, um, their law, their liquor laws and alcohol laws um, prohibited any type of beer until I think the 1980s and it was in the 80s and so and I'm not going to remember all the specifics but there was these, these long stories about how they would kind of like use um, they, they kind of do something where they would put um, do you, I don't know if you know um, but they would put like a liquor in a wine or something like that. Oh, that know. was like a tradition that would be a different kind of drink. And I can't remember spe- the specifics around that, but they didn't have um, I don't think they allowed beer. Yeah. Um, and, and I know the beer you buy, like if you just buy beer at a grocery store, it's like two or three percent. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to like a liquor store, you know, so there's a few hoops you have to jump through if you're wanting to you know, get some beer to take on a hike or. Of course, we did the Brennivan. We loved the Brennivan. It Mm -hmm. has kind of a, it's a, it's a schnapps. Um, It's seasoned with a, a, say, caraway seed. And it has sort of a Jägermeister kind of feel to it. And you do it like cold in shots. And Mm I, I liked it myself. Well, I'll tell you, you're you're, uh, talking my language now. You've got, you know, the love of shots, (laughs) (laughs) hot bath. Yeah. Fried puffin. But but so let's add a little bit of a layer of um, adventure and risk and interest in it because we keep kind of saying as an aside, oh, yes, it's a volcanic country. But at any moment, you really could have a volcano, you know. Um, and I think right now, for example, they're watching for volcanoes that are at risk, um, you know, showing higher seismic activity. And when I was there, it was, and I'm going to completely botch this, but it was the Barabunga 
um, um, volcano that was, yes, that with a couple of syllables that was, um, you know, um, showing signs. And it was it was not erupting like a huge blast, but it was definitely erupting. And the night I sat in um, a hot springs, you know, I could see that across the other side, like way on the other side of the island. And I could see that in, in you know, in the um, up, I can see the orange glow from the sky. I wow. never saw the unfortunately, I never saw the northern lights, which is continues to be on my bucket list. And I'm thwarted everywhere I go. But um, we did we did see that. And, you know, we went by an, um, a volcanic area where Hecla, which is a pretty regular eruptor. I mean, it's uh, I think erupted in like 30 times and, you know, a couple like a thousand years or something. And it's like past due in that area. You have to have your cell phone on because you only have like the seismic activity. It's a short window and they'll see the seismic activity. And it's like you have like an hour or an hour, hour and 20 minutes to kind of get out of the area before the, wow. the volcano blows. So you're not, you know, you're reminded of that when you kind of go by these areas where they're saying, you know, here's your volcano information and evacuation route and everything. Wow. Just like, you know, when you're in the beaches in this country and you have the, the hurricane information. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, when we come back from the break, let's pick up there. I want to talk a little bit more, too, about um um, the people and just I would love to hear more too, Stephanie, about your kids sure. and also about what you were eating okay. that wasn't fish <laughs> after hearing <laughs> what a fishy place this is. Well, I can tell you, thinking about a volcano erupting any minute would make me want to have more of that schnapps than ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for being on the show today. We'll be back. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back right after the break. Thanks for listening. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in Western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. We're kind of in Iceland today. We're already feeling it. It's uh, sounding like a wonderful place. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Well, I want to get right back into this talk about Iceland in the time that we have left because I'm sold. Like, you've already sold me, and I have to figure out when I can make 
this trip happen and so many good ideas and so many good ways to um, to visit this destination. But let's find out a little bit about, again, you know, for me, it's like, where is this place? I know I can Google it and there it is. We can see it. But really, how did you how did you all get there? Well, I, mine was backwards. You know, we left from London or Paris, I can't remember, and got there. But, um, but I mean, as you know, as Paul could tell you, like, there's flights from Dulles, there's flights from New York, you mm-hmm. know, little... That and what is long. the time like to get there? Uh, it's about five hours from Washington, something yeah, like that. Yeah, bad. and it's a, it's a little less than, um, I think it was maybe three and a half or so from, if memory serves, from um, the New York area. Oh, that's where you went from New that's York? That's where I went from. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. That's not yeah. very far. That's mm-hmm. not like going to Europe, certainly no. not... No, to New Zealand. Well, no, because it's, you know, Iceland is really like halfway to the United Kingdom. Yeah, it's in the North Atlantic, so it's close by, really. Right. Chances are you've flown over it if you've flown to Europe. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But, you know, again, I think that we have this impression, like you were saying, and, and that is all starting to change because more and more people are starting to go there. But really, when I know when I was growing up and we would think of Iceland, you would think of a Island covered in ice. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. who would want to go there? Like Greenland. And Greenland right, was right. just all green. Right. So this is <laughs> really opposite. great. I think it's important for people to understand that we get these perceptions that are mm-hmm. hard to change. And the only way that we're really going to change the perception is by having kind of ambassadors who are going to go ahead of us, the pioneers, and, and come back and say, wow, that was great. We loved it. And the people were nice. And I've heard that from all of you, that you felt comfortable. You felt, what was it like? Um, I'm curious to this, when you, when you were talking about the Blue Lagoon and you're talking about these public pools, mm-hmm. what's it like getting in these pools in your bathing suits, I guess, right? I mean, you're not wearing your yes. clothes you with know. people from all over the world. It's, um, I mean, it's it's great. And depending on where you are, I mean, the Blue Lagoon, you're going to be hearing American accents as much as you're hearing anything else. Um, you know, but like the hot pot, you know, we very much felt like we crashed their party that night. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they have a very specific culture when it comes to getting in pools in Iceland. I don't know if you guys encountered this, but when you go in, they are very strict. You are to wash with soap head to toe. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, when you exit the pool, you must be dry. And you must dry off and you cannot go into the rest of the locker room until you're completely dry. And there's monitors in many cases. There's employees that are staffed there to make sure that you follow those instructions. Um, even in the Reykjavik pool, there was a diagram showing what particular areas you should pay attention to washing. So, you know, and I had read that, that their their pool culture was was big, but it was very, um, very rule oriented. Um, and it almost reminded me of a German, you know, in that way. Um, and they mean it, let me tell you. <laughs> so and it's fine. You just play by the rules. And that's part of the culture you have to honor. So. Right. And it sounds like you would uh, stay healthy that way. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's all it's a good reason. It's nice not to have wet feet as you're putting your pants on, you know, because what happens to us over here right. all the time. And I think that's that's probably true for, um, you know, certainly places like the Blue Lagoon and some of the 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 more um, um, community, the pools that are kind of in the community. We were in an area of hot springs and it was not. You know, there was some information, but it was not as kind of regulated. There was no really one around the place that we, where we were at was, you know, basically a stop along a larger hiking trail throughout 
um, the the region, one of the um, you know several day hike kind of things. So we were in an area where with a bunkhouse and um, you know the the bathing house outside, and then the hot springs was a little ways away that you just would walk to. And that's that was the that was the destination was going on this hike and and staying mm-hmm. overnight in the bunkhouses. Yes. No yeah, kidding. it was. Yeah, oh, that, and that sounds was, lovely. Yeah, it was it was a really great time. And you know we were there, and some folks from Germany who had been doing the whole hike over several days um, or had hiked around most of the country, um, kind of popped in with us and started talking to us a little bit. That was fun. That is nice. So, and as you said, Europeans found them out about Iceland uh, a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and the camping culture, it sounds, is really embraced. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. I mean, we rented an RV. You can also do what's called camper vans, um, which if, if I were to do it again, and especially if I was going over with just like a couple, that's the way to go. They're much less expensive. Um, two people can sleep inside the van. You know, the downside is you don't have a toilet or shower in it, um, which as I learned, and I will tell you, you you're fine with that. There, you, there's plenty of opportunities for that. Right. And Paul, what about you? Do you stayed in a hotel? Yeah, we stayed in some little hotels. We stayed in Grindiafor and we stayed in Stickishholmer, which was a little fishing village out on the Snifelsness Peninsula. And um, we had no trouble at all. They were very nice. I mean, we found that, you know, you know, uh, the accommodations were exactly what we expected. Uh, they were very helpful. Um, they weren't full. I think, uh, you know, I think they're preparing for sort of a deluge of people to come. They're 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 getting ready for like a huge tourist uh, push there. And so, um, you know, they were in the zone. They really uh, helped us out and would tell us where to go and all that. And, um, you know, you know, we had a rental car. And so they helped us kind of you know, sort of negotiate the gas and stuff like that. But now, uh, do no, they it, drive on the same side of the they road? Do. The driving is very, very similar to here in the U.S. Yeah, it's very easy, actually. Oh, nice. One yeah. thing I will say, because we learned the hard way, is when they offer you the insurance for your windshield in Iceland, take it. <laughs> because there are little rocks that pop up everywhere, and, and we chose not to take it. Stupid. And 30 minutes from the airports, dropped the RV off and got a rock kicked up on our oh. windshield, and it was $600. So take take the insurance. <laughs> gotcha. That's good to know. So in the time that we have left, let's let's just – I'd like to go around and just kind of get an idea of, um, you know, what the what the impact was for each of you going to Iceland. I mean, this was – it sounds like it was a, a new experience. It was magical, um, otherworldly. What, what do you feel like you brought back with you from that trip? Marla, you want to start? Um, you know, I think it was this combination of adventure and really kind of absorbing a little bit of the culture that was pretty fascinating to me. I know I kind of s- explained a little bit about that. That was really interesting. Um, it was It's a place that was, I was surprised it was so easy to get to and I would go back in a heartbeat. Yeah, me um, too. And I think that was probably one of the big takeaways was, you're right, there are like certain expectations and it was completely different than I expected and um, you know just such a beautiful beautiful country and I don't think I was expecting it to be as 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 physically beautiful as it as it was I think you know that the fact that it was so attainable you know because it, it did it does sound like this big like you know Mount Everest of travel you know in some ways and you get there and you're like no this is totally possible you know and then in my case as well I to see it through my daughter's eyes um, was really cool you know because you know here they are seeing glaciers and you know at the time in 2015 frozen wasn't too far behind mm-hmm. us and so to them <laughs> that really resonated um, and so it was just it was a great experience the people were wonderful the RV experience was a big deal for us because um, that was kind of a trial for us to see if we liked traveling that way and we very much did so 
And you took a little excursion. We did. We um, we went up to and took a, a ferry to Grimsey, and so we went into the Arctic Circle. So if you drive to the northernmost po- point of Iceland, you can take the ferry over. Um, I would recommend it if you're into, like, box checking, you know, and there's lots of puffins around if you want to mm-hmm. get pictures of them. Um, the motion of the boat was significant, and I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> That's when you need more of that schnapps, yes. I guess. <laughs> Paul, what about you? Because that was kind of a quick trip for you, but it was kind of monumental in a way it as was, well. It was. I mean, I, you, know, you know, I felt deeply moved by it. I was... Um, y- I mean, there's almost a spiritual element to the landscape. You feel very uh, connected to the universe there because everything is so raw and new. It feels like a planet that's just now being formed or something. Mm -hmm. So it has this kind of cosmic element to it that is just, I mean, you're dwarfed from the size of it. And, 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 you know, it's quasi dangerous. We were on cliffs and the ocean was these roaring waves that were really scary. And you just felt kind of insignificant, um, which was a very... You know, you know, a nice feeling because here in America, we're so coddled by, you know, our condos and our cars and our movie theaters. It was really great to go out there and just kind of be awed by nature again. And um, it's everywhere. I mean, everywhere you look, there's there's something else to be awed by. Well, I'll tell you what I'm summing up for my three Asheville buddies who live in nature and are awestruck just walking out our doors. We know that it's a high bar that we have to Mm -hmm. reach to be awed even more. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. You know, this was a new format for me, bringing people in and talking about one destination. And I'm so glad that we were able to do this because it really helped me change a perception. And I think it's going to help a lot of other people. And I want everybody to know that each uh, Marlon, Stephanie and Paul are sending me some photos that I'm going to post on speakingoftravel.net and over social media on my speaking of travel Facebook page. So be sure you like that. And you'll be able to see for yourself some of these magnificent, magnificent sites. And I can already feel just that magic hearing you guys talk about it. So thank you so much, Marla and Stephanie and Paul for being on the show today. Yes, thank you. Great. Good. Thanks. And if y'all ever want to go back to Iceland, you let me know. Okay. I'll take you and, with us. Uh, yes. I'll take you up on that. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. I want you to go out and have a great week and think about magic and think about, you know, raising that bar on being odd. And remember, don't postpone joy. Don't